Welcome back to Recorded Conversations. I'm your host, Danielle Kingstrom, and you're now joining the podcast that is dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic and connected conversations. I hope you enjoy today's show. So if you remember last week, we talked about personal pet peeves, and I invited my husband, Corey, onto the show, and I said I wasn't going to overwhelm you with our voices, but Corey's joining me again. So say hello to the listeners. Hello, everyone. How are you? Um, And so just quick recap, we kind of just went over our personal pet peeves and um, discussed kind of how even though we have these little quirks that annoy um, each of us about each other, that you know, we we still are willing to tolerate them. And I actually said that I missed them while you were deployed. So chewing on ice cream, as annoying as it is, is a necessary evil in a relationship, I believe. Necessary evils aren't necessarily evil. Okay. Go. Okay, sure. So this week, what I thought we would uh, talk about is actually something that... Um, I also have been engaging in conversations about on my Facebook page, and that's this particular meme that I shared that's kind of created a little bit of a ruckus. Um, It's got a lot of people just kind of, I think, just showing our societal confusion. And you noticed it. We've had a lot of comments, and um, me and you kind of agree with this meme that I'm going to read. Quote, Your significant other is allowed to have meaningful relationships with other people. Your significant other is allowed to get things from those relationships they don't get from you. Demanding to be the only source of pleasure and support in their life is possessive and toxic." And so that kind of created a lot of commentary, disagreement, and created a whole bunch of questions for us that we've just been kind of considering all day and having discussions about all day. So what were your initial thoughts with the meme itself? Agree, disagree? I agree with the meme. Um, I think the biggest confusion on this meme is that a lot of people took it uh, sexually. They, they took it to where you can't have a meaningful relationship with someone outside of your marriage yeah. because it'll lead to sex. Yeah. And I disagree with that. Yeah, and uh, sex didn't come to my mind at all when I read this. I, I didn't look at this meme and go, that seems to be suggesting something sexual at all. I didn't, I didn't see that at all. Um, only because I feel like we have both, at different times and in different phases, had meaningful relationships with people outside of our marriage with the opposite sex. Yes. Um, going as so far as I go to lunch and dinner with other men without you and it's not it's not me running around on you and it's not me trying to see if there's something else available it's just I have different interests that other people share in and that you do not and so we're comfortable with us having friends of either sex and you know if there's something about that person that you connect with then neither of us are trying to impede on that because we believe connection is important and the other thing I'd like to point out with that is that you and I have a lot of trust in one another. And so when you do go out to lunch with someone, I'm not sitting in the back of my head thinking that you're running around. I I, I, I trust you. Right. Now, but there was a time where 
there were concerns that I was running around, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, and so do you want to speak to that? I, uh, so for those, we, I think we mentioned this in the last episode that you had cheated on me while I was deployed in Iraq. Yeah. Um, it actually happened twice prior to that as well. Um, but I didn't find out about those until it happened the third time. Yeah. Uh, so in the back of my mind, prior to knowing that, I always had these suspicions, paranoias, um, what have you. And I was always concerned about it. I always thought that you you left me with the impression that some you weren't telling me something. Yeah. And but I I would like to interject real quick. You had suspicions long before I was doing anything, though. Yes, that's yes. true. Yes. Um, and and I will admit to that. Um, and so we went through that phase or through those turmoils, if you will. And when you finally told me. I was angry. Very. I was hurt. But at the same point in time, I was almost relieved. Yeah. Because... You weren't crazy. I, one, I wasn't crazy. Yeah. And two is, okay, now now this has happened. I know she'll tell me. Mm-hmm. And I think in the end, I think it actually helped us be honest with one another a whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah, we were way more willing to talk to each other about things that we had once not been willing to talk to each other about. And we were able to be more vulnerable with one another. And since then, I mean, it was, it's was it been a long process. It's been 10 years, almost 11. But since we've been moving through that, it's like we've we've learned how to not jump to all of these negative conclusions right away when something's bothering us and make accusations. We instead rather pose questions and say things like, look, I'm kind of feeling this way. I think we should talk. And we check in and talk a lot. Yes, that's true. And the and the ironic thing about that whole situation is I would say my trust level of you actually went up. Which isn't... Afterwards. Yeah, and which isn't very common for a lot of people. A lot of people can't get over infidelity. It's just... It's just too much for them, and it can it can leave serious bruises that traumatize people and never want to trust people again. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, the bruises are still there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still have uh, days where it bothers me, mm-hmm. um, but they're becoming less and less. And but we talk about it. We can talk about it. If I have a bad day, I can talk to you about it, and you let me. Yeah. Yeah. And what's also weird too is, I mean, I had always dated people that cheated on me. So I knew exactly how it felt. Like I knew what that betrayal felt like. And then I did it to you, but it was like your overwhelming grace kind of stopped me dead in my tracks because I was going through this period where I was just trying, I was, I was starting to just shed layers and I was rebelling and I've not been good with commitment. I've always claimed to want commitment, but then when I get it, I'm like, I, I like self-implode. And I like purposely manifest the relationship to end because it was like, oh, it's getting really serious. And so now we got to create drama. But, and I think that's how I felt with you. Like inevitably we're just not going to work out. So it was like, I was self-destructing and destroying the relationship because I felt like it was already going to be destroyed. 
You know, a thought I had about the, you, you said manifesting, you know, self-imploding. A thought I had today when I knew we were going to discuss this a little bit um, was, did I manifest it? Yeah. Did I, you know, I mean, did I leave you with the impression, well, he's already thinking I'm doing it, so I may as well go do it. And that's the case with a lot of people. I'm already guilty in your eyes, so if you're never going to get over that accusation, I might as well do it if you've branded me as as the adulterer anyway. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I, I mean, there's, in all of these instances, I think even since I was the one who was cheated on, I still did a lot of self-reflection on what did I do to contribute to her feeling that she needed to do that. Yeah. That's, wow. Really? hmm That's awesome, honey. I did that too, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was the guilty party. The most guilty party? I was the most guilty party. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say what you did was insignificant. I mean, it was oh, yeah. very significant. But I'm just saying, I think... There's always two sides to every story. and Well, and we had been together for, we were going on four years. And it was like, that was one of the longest relationships I'd ever had. And so then it was kind of like, we're at this point where, are we done? Am I just going to throw in the towel? Am I, am I just going to completely give up on this? Because, you know, I was like, divorce papers are coming. And, oh, my God, this is going to be over. But at the same time, you were willing to stick it through. So it was like, okay, this is my moment. Seize it, stand up, make this work. We put all this time and effort into it already. And so then we kind of went from there. So, yeah, it's obviously different case by case, and everybody's experience is different. But I'm really glad that we were able to pull up from that. And so now, and I mean, we've gone through a lot of heinous, dramatic crap since then. I think we should save that for a different episode. I think we went down this rabbit hole. Okay, so let's go back a little bit and pull back away from infidelity because originally that's not what either of us had interpreted this mean to represent, nor that it was condoning it of any kind, but that seemed to be the trail people were taking. That's true. Well, this seems to be like you're... uh, Somebody had messaged me and kind of wanted to just discuss this like polyamorous idea because something in this meme triggered that idea for him, that that's where it was going. And then... You know, another person was like, okay, well, if you're going to be married, stick to monogamy. And and I'm kind of looking at that statement like, well, what, is, what does that mean in regard to this? And I'm interpreting this so differently than other people. I am too. Yeah. And so what I take from it is that we are allowed to have friendships with other people of either the same sex or the opposite sex. And... If we love our partner a lot enough and we trust our partner enough, we shouldn't worry about that. And if we are open enough and honest enough with our spouses or partners, if in the event some kind of friendship developed into a potentiality of something more, then that would be expressed and that would be expressed in an open space. And I think I told you something one time where I was working somewhere and I told you that I saw that there could have been a potentiality. Do you remember that? Vaguely, I don't want to say the location or the person because I don't know who's listening to this, but it was locally and I had and I had maybe I didn't articulate it as well as I should have. But when I was working at that one place, there was that one guy that I was friends with and 
there were a few instances where, you know, where people do that, like, what if scenario and go down a rabbit hole. I don't know what it was. But he had said something to me that triggered this. Was he hitting on me feeling? And then it was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, I'm attracted to him. Like, he's a physically attractive person. I'm attracted to his personality. I enjoy the conversations that I have with him. And had that been me five years ago, I could have easily been like, well, I'll see where this is going. But there was that hesitation and fear for me where I was like, well, I don't like where this is going. But ever since then, too, I've questioned myself. What does that mean? Why do we always think that a a relationship outside of the marriage is going to end up in sex? I think that's got to be an individual case-by-case basis. And in your situation that you just described, I think it could have been a dangerous situation. I think um, you pulling back could have been the right decision just simply because you would have put yourself in a vulnerable situation and would you have been able to say no right um and i think there you have to know yourself and know whether or not you can withstand the urges i guess for the lack of a better yeah well and yeah and if we pop back real quick when I worked at the bar and I was a bartender and come, I was, I was like the, one of the hottest bartenders there and they didn't have a lot of female bartenders either. And you, I've bartended before and I, I play by the expectational rules. You got it. You flaunt it. You want more tips. You, you flirt, you, you give them the impression that you're enjoying their conversation, that you want their attention and you pay attention to specific people to let them know that, oh, you're showing up. I'm, I'm going to have your drink ready or what have you. And you know how people get when they're drunk. They say things and try and do things and might take things too far. And, I, you know, there were a lot of situations where I was like, whoa, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And there were a lot of other situations where you were like, whoa, I'm uncomfortable with this. Yeah. And so I, I guess I can understand, like... Typically and generally, we believe that men and women can only be sexually relational. Yes. I, I don't even know how to present that as a situation to encompass um, all sexual identities and relationships, though. But I hope you know where I'm going with that. I'm not trying to leave anyone out. Um, but anyway, just this whole idea. So what what happened with this with this topic is it kind of brought up some ideas regarding intimacy regarding sex um, and regarding um, desire and then just kind of the expectations and the standards that we have for monogamous relationships. And um, was there anything in particular that really jumped out at you that you thought needed clarification and maybe that was where the confusion was? Um, I think so meaningful relationships with other people. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you and I have a meaningful relationship. Yes. I also have a meaningful relationship with my children. Yes. I have a meaningful relationship with my father. Yes. That none of those are are sexual. Yes. You know, we don't... You can have meaningful and intimate relationships without having sexual relationships. Right. You can have intimate relationships with other people, and that doesn't mean you're having sex with them. 
That's correct. And that's how I would use meaningful and intimate interchangeably in, yes. in that in that context. And and that's how I look at intimacy. Intimacy for me is closeness. Yes, I would it, agree. In connection. Yes. And I wouldn't say that necessarily means sex. I would also agree. Because I believe you can have disconnected sex. And I believe that you can have meaningless sex. And I believe that you can have disconnected relationships. So I wouldn't always equate intimacy with sex. What say you? So I'm going to share a little bit of a story of a female. Well, okay, so a couple of jobs I've had. I've had what I would call a work wife. Mm -hmm. Um, How I define that is when I went to work or when I talked to those people, I was looking forward to talking to them. I was looking forward to seeing them. I was looking forward to interacting with them. They knew personal things about my life. Mm -hmm. um, And I knew personal things about their life. And so it started out as kind of a a joke that that was my work wife. Yeah. Because I went to work with this quote unquote wife. But and because you guys had shared responsibilities and depended on a good working relationship with one another. And it was just that you were so you were so closely confined in your in your workspace that, yeah, you end up feeling like your spouses that's exactly right and you could confide in them you could Mm -hmm. you know if you were having a down day that person knew you were having a down day just by hearing your voice and you could vent about your wife to these women exactly that's exactly right and they could offer you a perspective from from the female lens yes that could help you that's that's right right and And they came to you about their issues with their men sometimes too yes yeah and and so i to a certain extent um, they almost felt like they were part of, I mean, like they were almost here every day, even though they weren't ever here because yeah. they knew so much about my life. Yeah. And and I knew a lot about them too. Yes. Yeah. And there would be things that would just happen later on and you'd be like, oh, I can't wait to tell so-and-so about this tomorrow when I talk to her or something. And it's yes. like, yeah, sh- she'd get a kick out of that. Ironically, one of them happened to have the same name as you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I, yeah. And I joked about that a lot. Yes. Like there could be something going on and I wouldn't even know because you'd still scream out the same name (laughs) but anyway (laughs) not that you were ever taking it there but no we weren't but I also had limitations yeah you know I also I had boundaries I had personal boundaries and you had that that whole military boundary on top of it yes that's true and so I mean I just I never crossed those boundaries because I didn't ever want to put myself in the situation where it could go horribly wrong. Yeah. So that's my experience with that. I those my work wives, as I would refer to them as, um, were very important people in my life. Um, when one of them happened to change jobs, I was very sad that she left to the point where I shed tears over her leaving. And yeah. and they were they were almost like another wife to me. Yeah. You know, and so to say that you can't have an intimate, meaningful relationship with another person um, without it being sexual is just ridiculous to me. 
Yeah, and that kind of pivots towards this idea that our that our significant others are supposed to be like our main source of all types of connection: social connection, intellectual connection, emotional, sexual, spiritual. Is like we decide that when we say "I do," that means everything else is meaningless outside of this bond. And yes, being in a monogamous relationship, being married, is. I believe, a higher level of a relationship that does include intimacy, obviously, because it requires connection. But I wouldn't go so as far to say that intimacy equals sex. I would agree with that. And I think too many people go to that standard that intimacy equals sex. But here's the thing, and this isn't my theory. This is a theory that's been presented by a lot of people, most popularly by a Dr. Esther Perel, and she is a viral sensation. She has been counseling um, couples for 40 years. She is all over YouTube. She is all over TED Talks. She has awesome books. She speaks to big corporations and has somehow created a way to include this whole mating in captivity idea to um, expound and, I would say, expand corporate relationships and communications. And so anyway little background on her, but she has this this theory um, based on her experience, on her work, that intimacy kills desire. And saying you have an intimate relationship with your partner doesn't necessarily mean you have a good sex life. And so if we are equating intimacy to sex based on her knowledge, her expert knowledge, She's finding that the opposite is true, that intimacy has nothing to do with sex. And in fact, intimacy kills the desire that leads to good sex. And so what do you say about that? I'm not honestly, I'm not fully wrapping my head around that. And through the course of today, I've been going back and forth on how to argue one way or the other on that. And, yeah. I, and I'm really struggling yeah, and how do we define these specific terms and make sure that everybody else is using the same definitions we are and having the same understandings as we are? Well, that's really hard to do. Yes, that's true. And so, yeah, I agree. Like, and and I'll be honest, like, there's something, and maybe it's the contrarian in me because I want to contradict everything, but there's there's a part of me that disagrees with the idea that intimacy kills desire. And when I try and think about it further, I'm if I'm saying that intimacy is closeness, even in proximity, I'm I'm saying for me in my own experience that I can't even uphold my my desire to contradict that because I know that when we're too close, when we're in each other's space too much, when I see you too much, I'm not thinking about taking you to bed. I'm thinking about, can you give me some space? Yes. And are do you feel that way too? Oh, I 100% agree with that. But then there are other times when we are physically intimate, like we're touchy, grabby, feely, kissy, cuddly, what have you. And in some of those instances, that does lead to us wanting to have sex. But is that intimacy? And that's where I struggle. Right. Is that intimacy or is it something else? What else would it be? Carnal, you know, I mean, it's... Right, because when I say I have an intimate relationship with my daughter, 
I don't cuddle with her and spoon her and kiss her neck and smell the perfume on her the way I smell your cologne and cuddle up next to your neck. And so, yeah, we need to differentiate how we apply intimacy to particular relationships. But then it's like, well, how many different definitions do you need for the word intimacy then? I guess I struggle with it, the definition of intimacy and is sex really intimate or is it just is it something different that I just can't put a word to? Yeah. Yeah. Because is intimacy an actual physical observable act? Or is it just loving nature? Yeah, and you're intimate with nature? I mean well, I mean na- not I mean Oh, in your nature. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, uh, so is it just uh, the idea of being uh, loving towards another person? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So let's step out of that for a minute and talk about why we shouldn't have this expectation that our spouse is the end-all Amazon one-stop shop to fulfill all of our needs. Well... I'm a farmer, so uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're not the person I would go to to talk about farming. No, no. I mean... In most cases, when you do, I'm like, I don't want to hear about it. And and when you do want to know, I have to give you the plain version. I the can't, kid's version. The kid's version. Yeah. How do not, I tell this to a two-year-old version? Yes. And so a lot of times when you ask me, I have to sit there for about five minutes and try to for the lack of a better word, dumb it down as much as possible yeah. <laughs> to give you just the plain version of of what I'm trying to talk to you about. And then you still ask a million questions, and then I forget why I was even bringing it up. Right. So, I mean, I have relationships with other farmers in the area um, that I talk to about farming. Yeah, and so they meet your needs. Yes. Your need to talk about specific Topics. Yes. And the same for you, it's philosophy and stuff. Philosophy and theology and psychology and just, yeah, understanding people and humans and and understanding, understanding. But, yeah. but when you talk to me about that stuff, I mean, and you do talk to me a lot about that stuff. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I like it. And you're yeah. breaking down these theories and... And telling me what these theories are, and when you get it down to the basic level, normally I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that's all about. Yeah. But I just don't know the name for it. Yeah, but and sometimes I get frustrated with you because you don't know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, and so I would just rather mm-hmm. talk to someone else and, yeah, have someone else be my soundboard. But it's not only that. Like, okay, so this is really hard for even us to use as an example for our experience because neither of us are very extroverted. But there are instances where I I go and participate in things with other people that you're just like, eh, eh, you go have fun. Yes. And you're not feeling jealous or left out or feeling like, well, I should be meeting all your needs. You shouldn't need other people in your life. Yeah, I don't feel that way at all. No, and I, in fact, I encourage you to go out with people, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, you should go, you should go have a beer with blah, 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 but maybe this time bring the kids and leave me alone. Well, I do lunch dates. Yeah, you do lunch dates with a bunch of women. Yeah, actually, yeah. 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 Who love my kids. <laughs> love those kids. But you take them all out, you pay for them and everything. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I I have a hard time with holding to the idea that I should expect you to meet every one of my needs. And so a lot of people are, assume that even just saying that, that that means sexual needs. Oh, you must have some weird fetish that you think you need to have fulfilled. And if your partner's not willing to do it, then you need to just, like, let go of those needs. And, okay, yeah, so there's some instances where there's some really weird fetishes that you probably need to dig down deep into, a, like, a psychological level and say, you know, first examine this with your baggage in tow and let's unpack it to make sure this is actually what you want. Um, But I think, and I mean, I was like that in the beginning of our marriage where... So we will take this to a sexual level, but there were some things that you wanted sexually that I was like, uh-uh, never. I will never do it. No, no, don't ask me. Yuck, gross. And now I'm like, what What Dan Savage really kind of like created this whole idea about um, good giving and game for anything kind of idea. Like, um make sure that you're doing it good, make sure that you're giving, giving, giving sexually, and make sure that you're game for anything within reason. Because if you're not willing to explore higher levels of connection with your spouse, then I would say that you need to dig deep first before you flat out reject something and like ask yourself what you're scared of, what makes you anxious about it. Are you are you trying to present or um, convince someone of this in an atmosphere where shame has been recently present because I did that a lot to you. Yeah. Shamed you when you had brought up some stuff. And yeah, I know we've talked about this on a video before too, but, um, anyway. Well, since we're on this topic though, let's, let's talk about polyamory a little bit since we're we're going down that road. And that was brought up today too. And so I, I think there are instances where your spouse may not meet your needs sexually. Yeah. And first and foremost, before we go too far, one, you have to have the complete utmost trust in your spouse. Yeah. Two, you have to communicate with your spouse. Yeah. Um, In my personal opinion, um, if you are going to go down the road of polyamory, you have to communicate that 100% all the time so that you maintain the trust um because if you don't i think it's gonna go horribly wrong for you yeah but between consenting adults and as long as you're communicating with your spouse and not trying to hide anything i don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with polyamory yeah i i agree with that too i don't think there's anything wrong and if i'm being honest i've you know i read a lot yes and I read a lot about desire and eroticism and sexuality and, you know, looking back at the history of marriage, um, predating, you know, established civilizations. And there is a, there is a lot of weight that says that we were once totally okay with it. Like, and that was in fact, like expected and it was just the norm and we're I think we're we're moving towards this area where people are becoming more comfortable not only with their sexuality but with equating sharing themselves with other people to trying to reach that highest agape love. Right? Yes. And so, yeah, I'm not going to judge anybody who engages in 
a polyamorous relationship because it's so long as people are involved in consensual relationships, who are any of us to really judge anyone? And in some ways, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little envious of how willing they are to be, to share that way, you know, because I think that is my hesitation against, well, I'm greedy, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I'm greedy. Yes. You know, I'm selfish and I'm greedy. And so that's that one aspect where it takes me to and where I say, I'm good with what we got and not like you're pressuring me into it or anything or like we've considered it, but just the idea that, um, I would say that like sexuality is progressing. And so I don't think we need to shame people who are willing to be more progressive sexually than we are. Yep. But anyway, did you want to speak to anything on that? No, I pretty much covers that topic. I just figured we should cover that as long as we were going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And so let's go back to intimacy because yeah, I mean, how are we, I mean, yeah, we're going to solve all the world's problems today by defining intimacy once and for all. But I mean, how do we define intimacy and what is our, let, let's say what our conclusive position is on intimacy so we can, you know, round this corner with it. Yeah, I don't. I. So basically intimacy is a closeness and a connection. Okay. Okay. I, can, I, can I would say take that. sexuality out of intimacy altogether. Yeah. I For me, I hear intimacy. I do not think sex. Agreed. I know people use the phrase to be intimate with, but I, I don't use that phrase. You either have sex with someone or you fuck someone. Or make love, if you prefer the more romantic phrase. I don't like that I, term. I don't like that one either. I always thought it was so corny. Yes. I couldn't ever say it. I think I used to say it, and yeah. Yeah, it was just like... Yeah, mm, no. No. But, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. You want to be all romantic and everything, but... Okay, so since we kind of t touched on communication, there was something that I wanted to talk about that I have to laugh about because... So a lot of people do write to me um, and message me and call me, you know, and, and do ask me for a little bit of non-expert advice because they do know that I'm writing a book and they do know that, you know, I blog and that, you know, look at my Facebook page. I'm always talking about sex and marriage and monogamy and everything. And, um, one of the things that's, that, that always makes me giggle is, you know, we have this expectation that we don't have to like verbally communicate with our partners in so many aspects. Like they should just know, right? Mm -hmm. You should just know why I'm mad at you. You should just know what I actually want you to do. You should just know that if if your shoes are in front of the door, you should move them. I do tell you that all the time, but anyway. But in most instances, like when, when people have written to me and they're like, oh, this is going on and this is going on and he doesn't do this. And, you know, I always end up going, okay, when did you tell him and how did you tell him? Or when did you tell her and how did you tell her? Well, I didn't. Okay. So if you didn't tell them, dot, 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 how are they supposed to know? And so that, I think, is maybe we, something we should speak to. Just because, I mean, it even happened today, too. I mean, someone was writing to me and was like, oh, well, this is the way I am. Well, does she know that? Well, no, I can't tell her that. Okay, well, then you don't have a right to be upset about it either because how is she supposed to know what you're upset about if you don't tell her what you're upset about? And I'm not going to lie. That's been a, uh argument between us in the oh, past. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, we both just assume you should know. 
But yeah. I bet you're thinking I do it more than you do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always the most guilty one. Okay. As long as we agree on that. <laughs> okay, so speak to that then. Well, so there's just have been a couple of times where, and I think we brought this up last week, was how many times have I come home and you're mad at me? <laughs> yeah. And I'm don't even know why. Yeah. I wasn't here. I just all of a sudden I get yelled at for a specific thing, which I'm 99.9% has absolutely nothing to do with why you're mad. Yeah. And, but I'm supposed to know why you're mad. And I know I've, couple of times I've actually said why are you mad and you get more mad because I don't know why you're mad yeah yeah and so where did we ever learn that oh your spouse or your partner will just know they'll just know they'll just read your mind well the the reasoning that I've been given by someone who I love very much is (laughs) that we've been together for almost 14 years you should know me by now (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I say that a lot, don't I? Yes. Why do you act surprised? Do you know me? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, but but a baseline needs to be established in that when y- you are mad at your partner, you can't just assume they know what you're mad about. And if you feel like you're not getting something, if you don't tell them you're, that you're not getting it, you're never going to get it. Yes. 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 You're so agreeable, it's annoying. (laughs) Well, if I disagree, you get mad at me. (laughs) Hey, honey. What? I adulted for more than two hours today. Oh, good for you, babe. Yeah. So. You should share that story. I should share that story. So, okay, and so this is kind of funny. This is kind of ties in with this whole communication thing we were just speaking to. So sometimes we're a little too honest with each other when we're frustrated. Yes. And at some point last week, we became frustrated with one another. Yeah, so here's... The dog, the, wasn't the dog. it? The dog. The she, damn puppy. Yeah, so you had asked me to get up at like 6 o'clock in the morning to take care of the dog because the dog needed to go out. The yep. pup. Yeah. And I got up, even though you told me the night before that, oh, that you, I were was gonna, gonna get up. you were going to get up with the dog so I could sleep in just a little bit longer. Yeah. But you kicked me out of bed, and that's fine. <laughs> I got up, and I took the dog out, fed the dog, did all that stuff, and so I was up. And I was frustrated. I was steaming. I was, like, pacing around the house, yelling at you in my head. Yeah. And so, fine, whatever. I went to work. Yeah. And then I got home. I think it was the evening we were talking about. No, it was that. lunch. Was it lunch? Okay, at lunch. And I was in a better mood, and you were. You, I, I was, was in, in a good mood, and, and you I were was, better. And I was in a better mood. Yeah. And we got. I think Julian brought something up. And anyway, so I said, I told her how I was feeling that morning. I said, okay, first and foremost, I want you to know that what I'm about to tell you, I don't mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not mad about it anymore. But here's what I was thinking. Yeah. And it was something to do with the fact that you made me get up Mm -hmm. after you had said that you would get up with the pop. Mm -hmm. And what do you do all day? You adult for like two hours during the day. 
And then you are sitting in your office working on... Sitting on Facebook all day. Yeah. You only adult two hours a day, and then you sit on Facebook all day. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, ever since then, the uh, inside joke is that you tell me that How many you, hours how I many adulted. A, how many hours a day you adult. And if I get only two hours, I think I'm still in the clear, right? Because that's your expectation, that I'm only adulting for two hours. Therefore, I only need to adult for two hours. First and foremost, the two hours was just a random number I pulled out of my ass. Because I probably adult for like 12 hours a day. <laughs> I don't know that I would go that far. But Depends <laughs> on what you mean by adulting. Let's define our terms. Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, and there's my snort. That's where we cue out. Okay, so I don't really think we solved any problems, but hopefully we got people to just think a little bit about how we differentiate terms, and maybe we'll have to come back to this topic with a different guest. Because I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. You are good enough, and you are smart enough. And gosh darn it, people love you. (laughs) And with that... And now here's the part of the show where I self-promote and I let you know where you can find me. For starters, I do have a Patreon page. All you need to do is seek out patreon.com slash Danielle Kingstrom. I am also a contributing writer for Patheos Progressive Christian. To seek me out there, simply sign on to Patheos and look for my name. I can also be found on Facebook at Danielle Kingstrom on Twitter and Instagram at DKingstrom. I really appreciate you joining me here on Recorded Conversations, and until next time, take care.